Now, isn't this nice? It sure is. We're just like two peas in a pot. Not hot. Hard. Hard. For the inaugural Two Peas in a Podcast on Strictly Business, I'm speaking to a man who is currently a DJ, a father in Cape Town. He used to be a very prominent DJ on a station called KFM. He was known as Hardyman the Partyman. He's a stand-up comic. He's a prolific script writer. And more importantly, and this is the subject of today's interview, he is an entrepreneur who is going to save the world. He's going to save the world from the scourge of plastic. His name is Richard Hardyman. Richard, uh, we've been speaking about this project of yours for quite a while now and I know that startups are very very difficult to get off the ground but I sort of get the sense from the publicity I'm seeing all across the various mediums that things are going quite well. They seem to be going very well for you know, for a number of years it was, it was a bit of a hard slug but uh, I think now in the last six months the, the pace of sales and, and our commercial activity has picked up quite nicely. Okay, let's go back to right from the beginning when you were walking around the waterfront, I think, with one of your 17 children and you saw some <laughs> rubbish <laughs> rubbish accumulating. Richard, incidentally, has three children, three beautiful boys. But Richard, uh, just go back to the beginning in case people aren't familiar with the RAN Marine technology story. So I, I think let's start right at the beginning. I was having a cup of coffee, whiling away some time because, as you know, people who work in radio don't really work and have a lot of free time. So I, I, was, I was having coffee in the waterfront and I saw two gentlemen in a, a small, small skiff, a small boat, trying to collect rubbish out of one of the basins there. And uh, the wind was blowing hard, as it, as it only does in Cape Town. And the trash that we're trying to collect was escaping through the, the harbour walls a little faster than they could collect it. And I, my first instinct, knowing absolutely nothing about the function of collecting waste and water, was that it just seemed like a, a very stupid way of doing it, and a very ineffective way of doing it. Yes, and and it clearly wasn't working because I mean you know as much as they tried and as hard as they tried the trash still went out into the open water, and I, I thought about it for quite a while and I asked myself what I would do and how I would do it better, and I came up with a couple of concepts but I finally settled on um, what we now commonly refer to as, a, as an aquadrone, and it's essentially it's an autonomous boat or, or a boat that you control by remote control from the key side and we've designed it now to act almost like a a whale shark. It, it, it sort of, uh, no, it is a whale shark, but a, but a whale shark with a very, a very large mouth that kind of scoops up the trash into its belly. And we started that business in 2016. So the thought occurred in 2013 when the the problem of plastic in the oceans was obviously quite evidently there, but it, it didn't have such a public spotlight on it as it does now. I wasn't aware of the plastic pollution in, in our oceans at the time. I, I was just quite devastated by the by the way, we were, we were trying to collect trash and water. I, I thought it was an incredibly inefficient way of doing it. And the more research I did into it, obviously led me into into what is now um, quite popularly known as, as the plastic in the ocean gyres, the, the plastic islands that are out there and, and, and the world is focusing on now. So this started in 2013, the company started in 2016, and now we're actively selling what we call the Waste Shark, which is a an aqua drone, both remote controlled and, and autonomous, that, that swims around essentially and just sucks up garbage out of water. It's interesting because there's another very high-profile initiative, which is, I think, a Dutch company, a young Dutchman, who wants to clean up the, the great big garbage patch in various oceans. And it was recently, it was recently initiated, and unfortunately it, was, it wasn't a particularly great success. What you're doing at Rand Marine Technology is tackling the problem at its source. I think that's a really good example. The, the Ocean Cleanup Project at the moment, I mean, it, it has 
slightly failed in certain aspects. But, but you know, we have to remember that the first one that they put out there is a, a larger prototype. So having been through these teething problems in our business as well, I fully understand that these things are not going to work first time out of the gate. So I'm sure they'll come back and I'm sure they'll do very well. But my thought was always that you know, why tackle a problem that's already out there? It's very noble to go and clean up the oceans. But, you know, we've got to stop the waste getting into the oceans in the first place. So as you quite correctly say, you know, with three kids, I obviously produce a lot more waste than most humans. Um, <laughs> and, and, the, and the problem is... Yes, I've it, met it your children. They're lovely. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I mean, the, the problem starts at, at, you know, at literally at source. Cape Town is a perfect example of it, where that southeaster wind blows junk from the from the city centre and the city bowl into into the water. And then that plastic is then carried out into our oceans. And my my initial thought was well, why not clean it up before it gets out into the ocean that you know it would be wonderful if everyone recycled and everyone sort of you know bought the bananas in in cardboard packaging and sort of plastic packaging all these all these again very noble efforts and yes. there's certainly been a lot of things done about that in the last couple of years but you know unfortunately human nature will continue to litter there's there's no doubt about it it's an education problem and I wanted to make a business and I wanted to make a difference. So in order to do that, you have to find a sweet spot. You have to find a customer such as a port, a harbor, or somebody that's in charge of a water area. And you have to have an efficient tool that cleans up cheaply the problem that they're having. So I think we, we at Ramarine at the moment have found that sweet spot, a customer and a very effective and efficient tool. I was recently in a place called Ipswich, which is a town on the... <laughs> I'm terribly sorry. I was recently in a place, a place called Ipswich to watch a football team, which has been um, a favourite of mine for some 35 years, Richard. And there's a marina there. It's almost on the coast. It's on the east coast of, of England. And there's a marina there and there's some smart yachts, you know, £100,000 yachts and that sort of thing sitting around. But because of the tides and because of the wind, there was a lot of rubbish collected in the corner. This was a port. I would have thought immediately that something like the Ran Marine Waste Shark could have scooped that thing up and whizzed around and be not only an efficient tool to stop the pollution of the oceans because it would have gone out via the river Orwell, I think, into the North Sea, but also be quite a nice and quite cool marketing ploy for the marina. I mean, is it just marinas? Is it rivers? Is it giant ports like Rotterdam or Antwerp or Shanghai that you're targeting? What is your product aimed at? I think contrary to popular belief, it's, it's not all about size. You know, trash collects in very certain areas. So it's not about the size of the port so much as the size of their problem. I mean, you, you refer to Ipswich, you know, it's, the marinas have this problem. Um, they have the same problem that a large port has, that the, the trash will collect in certain areas because they're in water and the wind and the tide will blow it into certain corners. So it doesn't mean that you have to take these waste sharks and, and go right the way through the port. You, you focus them on specific areas where trash uh, naturally collects. We call them chokeholds. And that normally is the same size regardless of whether you're in a marina or a port or a river. We tend to operate in what we call in coastal areas. So that, that is a, a port, a harbour, a marina, uh, a canal. We operate in the Netherlands. Obviously, there's a lot of waterways there. We don't do coastal waters. So we're not in, in, in areas where we're, we're sort of trying to clean up off the coast of anything. But our current customers are the end of cities that are trying to clean up their waters internally. There's a lot of cities based around water. So we deal with a lot of councils and municipalities. And there's a lot of private marinas as well. Um, no one wants their $100,000, $300,000 super yachts surrounded by trash. So the drive, interesting enough, depending where you go in the world, is always different. Some cities want to clean up because it's politically correct to do so. Other cities want to clean up because the waste is causing a pollution problem, which is causing a smell and the residents are complaining. So they want it cleaned up for those reasons. And then other marinas want to clean up because people are paying, you know, twenty, thirty thousand $30,000 a year for a berth, if not more, and, and don't want to walk around to their yacht 
you know, surrounded by chip packets and McDonald's burger packets. Quite right. I mean, there is um, almost a certain amount of lip service being paid to the plastic problem by the fast food companies and coffee companies. They're banning plastic straws and going for cardboard straws. And that's great. And it's very good for their image in the eyes of the concerned consumer. Let's move on now, though, from plastic and the scourge of plastic and the environmental issues to business issues, because you're an Englishman by birth, but you came to South Africa when you were very young. You're a proud South African, and this is a South African idea. Let's not forget that. This is a South African idea born in Cape Town, but unfortunately, you had to move to the Netherlands to register your company in order to get funding. Tell us about that journey, that uh, small and medium enterprise journey that you've experienced over the last three or four years. I think we're very fortunate to live in this in this wonderful country, and it, it, it's fantastic to be able to do so. But the for entrepreneurs to find money in this country is it, quite difficult. We're not we're not on the scale of the US by any means. So we're, we're starting to get VCs who, you know, have, have started to collect large funds. But to give you an idea, I mean, I think the largest VC fund in South Africa is somewhere around fifty or seventy five million rand. You know, um, it, it's which is ridiculous. I mean, it, it's not even half a million euros. Peanuts, yeah. Well, sorry, it's, you know. It's, it's, yeah, it's a half a million euros. It, it really is peanuts. And what we found when we joined, I, I tried to start the business here in, in Cape Town, and, and it was self-funded, and it was it was quite hard. People didn't really understand what we were doing. The the idea of cleaning up plastic and collecting data from water and that kind of thing wasn't wasn't seen as as kind of a, you know something worthy of investing or, or needed product. Europe, however, offers an entirely different place to land because. It's very environmentally focused. It's very well run. It's very well uh, sort of litigated when it comes to environmental affairs, and and there's a lot of grant funding there as well. So you don't necessarily need VCs or, or sort of loan capital. You can apply it to the government, be it the, the EU government or our local government in, in the Netherlands. And we we got a lot of financing that way, which which is something that I wish we had in South Africa because I feel terribly um, sad in many respects that it is a South African invention. I built I built the I built the prototype right here in my, in my garage you know it's very much a, a sort of the the creepy crawly of, 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 the, of the 2000s in, in some respects and yet i i fear that it's not going to get that sort of spotlight on it because we simply just and it wasn't through lack of trying we just couldn't generate the capital to start up here in south africa and and, and it's a shame that it's now considered a, a dutch product which i don't mind at all it, 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 it's dutch engineering behind it now but you know it would, would have been I think a fascinating journey. Have we have we created this and, and developed it and, and sold it from Africa? I think that would have been a, in a way, a far more um, interesting story to to sort of regale in ten years' time. What actually happens, Richard, when someone listens to this, a harbour master or a marina, a port official in some far flung region of wherever it is? wants to clean up their port and wants to be seen to be doing good, which is, I think, what it's all about. I mean, apart from saving dolphins and whales and things, it's also they have to be seen to be doing good, and that's a fact of life, unfortunately. What do they get? They'll phone you up and they'll say, right, I want one of these things. I mean, do you manage it? Do they manage it? How does it work? Well, we have a, a number of resellers and distributors around the world now. But So depending on, on the region they are, they, they phone us up or, or typically they email us and we send them a, a bunch of technical specifications. We ask them a lot of questions about what they intend to do with it, where they need it for. Remembering that we don't only just collect plastic. I mean, it collects up biomasses, so algae, so seaweeds that are, that are problematic. We also measure data in the water as well, which is quite um, 
quite a, a sort of a new concept to a lot of harbors who want to know actually what's in the water you know what what the you know as, as a farmer you want to know what's in your soil uh, marinas and ports are now wanting to know what's in their water what are they dealing with and very much so in sort of freshwater places where the, the quality of your water largely determines what's in your water so from fish life and for, um, aquaculture and that kind of thing so we extract a lot of data as well so we we go through the technical specifications of what they require what we can offer we look at the size of the problem that they have. So do they need one-way shark? Do they need 10-way sharks? I think a great example is the city of Dubai. When they first approached us, I, I must admit, I, I wrote them off as you know, just wanting the press and PR of having way sharks and new technology and, and drones in their city. But yes. in actual fact, when we're out there, you know, they have a very large maintenance program for their water right the way through the city. And they genuinely wanted the sharks to, to collect waste. They have large skimmer boats. They have a number of guys going out in smaller boats with fishing nets and that kind of thing to catch waste. And they wanted something that was more efficient, easier, cheaper, and sort of um, consistent than what they had at the moment. So instead of this PR story that I was expecting, they're actually actively using waste sharks in the city and the port at the moment. So I think that's a a prime example of a a city wanting to add a more efficient tool to their weaponry of of cleaning up plastic and, and, and other marine debris out of their water. Can you, for example, there's a difference between a marina in Ipswich and a giant port in the Far East, for example, Shanghai or Singapore, Tokyo is another great example. Can you customise things? I mean, I can imagine one of your waste sharks, which I've seen on Ran Marine's website, is quite small, but perfectly sized for a marina. But what about a bigger one for the waste that is generated by a giant port? Have you got a bespoke offering as well? In other words, made to measure? We don't at present, but we certainly have looked at making larger ones. You know, there's a sweet spot. What we have at the moment, we call the Goldilocks version because it's, it's not too big, it's not too small. To access smaller, tighter corners in, um, in most harbours underneath jetties or in smaller sort of berthing areas, you've got, to have a, you've got to have a machine that can get into those corners. If it gets too big, it, it becomes clumsy and, and, and inefficient. So the size that we have at the moment is actually pretty much determined by a lot of testing and understanding of, of what any port throughout the world needs. Larger ones for larger cleanups, if there's a spillage, if there's a, a sort of a mass flood, that kind of thing, yes, we certainly have looked into that and we can upgrade the size should a port want it. And obviously remember that these things are aesthetically quite pleasing. And we found a lot of customers now wanting to get them sponsored by, you know, you get a bank or you get a um, fizzy drinks company that wants to plaster their uh, branding all over it and they, they recoup the, the cost back doing that, which I find is quite a nice way that you have this, this sort of like some zero game, basically. You get a free way shark that cleans up your, your plastics and your problem, and uh, someone gets the branding as a do-good title for that as well. So there's a number of ways of, of making this work for, for many different areas. Okay, so your semi-autonomous or autonomous way shark goes out and collects all the rubbish. What happens after that? You have spoken to me before this interview and, and talked quite enthusiastically about European funding for something that sorts out the problem of what to do with the waste afterwards. Once it's collected it, instead of having to manually take the thing out, the, out of the water and bung it into a bin, uh, something else is happening. And I find that very exciting. Quite right. We're incredibly excited about it. it it's called the shark bot, and essentially it's, it's the base station for, for the way shark uh, or a number of way sharks. It is uh, a slider that it, the way shark comes up, it recharges, it empties the, the rubbish into a um, receptacle and then recharges and then goes back out autonomously. So you can leave this thing running 24 hours a day. I liken it to a, a Roomba 
an automatic vacuum cleaner that uh, a lot of houses have around the world now where while you're sleeping, um, your floors have been vacuumed. And this thing just autonomously walks around and, and, and sucks up all the waste and then comes back, empties it into receptacle, charges, and then goes out again when it's ready. And I, I think that is the, the kind of nirvana or sweet spot that we're looking for at the moment is that all this trash is coming into the water all the time. You can't be reactive to it. You've got to be proactive to it. And this solution that we have now is, is, a, is a proactive solution to, to, to waste. You know, we always see these massive floods of waste in, in, in pictures and on Facebook and that kind of thing of, of corners of marinas and ports where we, there's just junk floating. And that's because that, that junk is, has built up over three or four days. But if you were constantly skimming the water for those um, bits and pieces of plastic, you wouldn't get that buildup. And that's what we're aiming at, this sort of more uh, proactive approach to, to cleaning up waste in our water rather than waiting for it to collect in large clumps, sink to the bottom or, or, or swim out into the ocean. Richard, it's so exciting. How do people get hold of you? The best way, I, th- I think, is, is to hit our website, which is www.ranmarine.io, or you can email us um, very quickly, info at ranmarine.io, and uh, we respond uh, very, very quickly. Richard Hardiman, thanks so much for your time. Richard Hardiman is the CEO of Ranmarine Technology.